Let's talk about it. Somebody say, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk about a man named Noah this morning. If you will, I'd like to read you the children's version of the story of Noah. Are you ready? During Noah's life, people were acting very wickedly. This made God unhappy. It made him sad because people seemed to be thinking more about themselves than about God. Noah, however, was a good man. He loved and obeyed God. And God loved Noah very much. God actually loved all the people as much as he loved Noah. But at the time, only Noah was listening to God. So God told Noah to build an ark, a big boat. So Noah followed God's plan and built a boat that was one and a half times the size of a football field. That's a huge boat. Noah's neighbors laughed at him because there wasn't any water in the desert where he lived. But God told Noah that a great flood was coming. Noah tried to warn the people to change their ways so that they could hear God too. But they wouldn't listen. They just kept on with their selfish lives. Now God asked Noah to collect two of all creatures of the earth and bring them into the ark. Which is not completely true. Children's stories. Some animals God asked to bring seven pair. That's 14. Hello, somebody. He also told the animals to find Noah, so it wasn't hard for Noah to gather them together. Pairs of each kind of animals were put safely inside the ark before it began to rain. Noah's wife and his three sons and their wives were also safe in the boat. And when everyone was aboard, God shut the door. Noah and his family and the animals lived on the ark seven days before the first raindrops fell. And it rained 40 days and 40 nights. And soon the earth was covered with water. After it stopped raining, the water continued to rise for 150 days. The ark landed on a mountain range of Ariat during the seventh month of the flood. And God sent a big wind and the waters began to evaporate. And Noah and the floating zoo had to stay in the ark for several more months while the earth slowly dried out. Finally, Noah sent out a raven from the ark to look for land and the raven never returned. Noah waited another week for the water level to go down and sent out a dove to do the same thing. And the dove couldn't find a place to rest, so it returned to the ark. Another week passed, and then Noah sent out another dove again, and this time it came back with an olive branch. Noah now knew that the water was low enough for tree branches to show. Noah sent off the dove a week later, and it didn't return. The dove had found a place to live on dry land. All together, Noah and his family and the animals lived on the ark for one year, one month, and 27 days. It was time for all creatures and Noah's family to move off the ark. And Noah and his family and the animals needed to start life over again. After everyone left the ark, Noah prayed to thank God for keeping himself, which is where he made sacrifices with the clean animals that he brought in by seven pairs. Suddenly, a bright rainbow filled the sky. This was God's promise that he would never flood the earth again. Amazing story. Come on. Let me read you Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith. Everybody say, by faith. Noah being warned by God concerning the events as yet unseen. In reverent fear, 
constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Let's pray. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I want to say to you this morning that we are all on a journey of faith. Everyone in this room is on a journey of faith. Our question is, in this journey, what does your faith depend on? We're all on a journey of faith. We all have, have our own seas to cross, our own valleys to cross, our own mountains to climb. We are all on a voyage of faith. But what does your faith depend on? The Bible teaches us that Noah believed God and he built an ark to save his family. And so what do we learn from a story that so often gets caught up into a children's narrative? And let me just put it to you this way. I want you to ponder some things as I've got it out for you this morning. Storms have a way of revealing what we really trust. Storms have a way of revealing who you really trust. In the first part of Hebrews, God tells us that he warned Noah, and Noah believed God. Now, that's an amazing thing because, see, faith is, is not super complicated, even though it's very deep and integral. But faith doesn't have to be complicated in the sense that faith is just believing God. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him as righteousness. Hello, someone. In 2007, uh, Rudders wrote a story about the Creation Museum in Kentucky. And this is what, uh, uh, an excerpt from the story. I, and it's in quotations, so it's the excerpt, or the excerpt from it. The Christian creators of this sprawling museum hope to draw as many as half a million people each year to the state of art project which depicts the Bible's first book Genesis as literal truth while the 27 million dollar museum near Cincinnati has drawn snickers from the media and condemnation from the US scientists those who believe God created the heavens and the earth in six days and about 6,000 years ago say their views are finally being represented and then Rudders lamented Almost half of Americans believe that humans did not evolve, but were created by God in their present form within the last 10,000 years. That's a quote from the report. I just need you to understand something this morning. I hope you'll receive it in your spirit. My faith doesn't depend on the applause of media or the approval of scientists. The book you hold in your hand, the book you carried with you into this house today, whether you carry it on your phone or you have a physical one like this, that is the most scientific book you can hold in your hand. I can stand up here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and give you here historical uh, reasons to believe this book, Ge uh, geographical reasons and geological reasons to believe this book and to believe that Noah was a real man and that the earth actually experienced a global flood. 
I could give you all kinds of useful information to encourage your faith. But I only need one source. Hello, somebody. Genesis 7, 20 through 22 says, The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep, and all flesh died. 2 Peter 3, 5 and 6 says, By God's word the heavens existed, and the earth was formed out of the water, and by the water, by these waters also the world of that time was deluged, flooded, and destroyed. Jesus himself says this in Luke chapter 17, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all that's all I need I don't need my faith to be confirmed by geology although it is I don't need my faith to be confirmed by history although it is God said it happened it happened what's your faith dependent on you see the bumper sticker that says, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it? Negative. God said it, that settles it. God warned Noah, and Noah believed, and then he acted on that belief. Hello, somebody. I said, God warned Noah, and Noah believed, but then he acted on that belief. See, this is the problem with modern-day faith. We say we believe, but we don't have any actions to, pollute, to prove what we say. A faith church that isn't dependent on the Word of God and the promise of God just leaves you paralyzed. Oh, y'all not helping me this morning. I, I know, I know. Come on. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith isn't based on what we can see. It wouldn't be faith if that was true. If faith was based on what we could see, that's not faith. Do you realize in this room that the Bible tells us that Noah had never seen a flood? Now, we could go back into some history and some biblical study and those type of things and think Noah, yet he was raised on, on, on an ocean side in a shipping yard and learned how to build boats when he was younger, and that is actually where he met his wife. Josephus talks about that. He wouldn't be unfamiliar with boats. He wouldn't be unfamiliar with water, but he'd never seen a flood. The Bible implies that he'd never even seen a drop of rain. Genesis 2, 5 and 6, God had not yet sent rain on the earth. Come on, somebody. So he believes God, and for 120 years, he acts. Here we are. We, we, find, it, we find it tough to believe God and act from Sunday to Sunday. To walk out what God puts in our life week to week. Or day to day, hour by hour. But for 120 years, Noah acts on what he believed. Come on, church. He, he preached to people about a flood that they had never seen. He warned of massive rains that they had never experienced. And he built a boat unlike they had never seen before. And the wonder is not that the people didn't believe. To me, as I read the scripture, the wonder is that Noah did believe.
believe that this is most important than anything. It's your faith that is a witness to a lost and dying world. It's not the knowledge that you have. It's not the ability. Listen, these people watched Noah build the most amazing structure. You ever been to Noah's Ark, which is right outside the Creation Museum there? Raise your hand if you've been to it. Now, I know that is our best guess, but it's a pretty good one. And if you take the time to walk through that thing to see the math and the engineering that would have had to happen in order to house animals for over a year and live, come on, church. Uh, There's stuff in there that you don't even think about, like what do you do with the poop? And any of you farmers in this place, you'll realize what ammonia is like. And to, to understand how they got that ammonia out of there and brought in fresh air and how the, the air conditioning system of the, of the thing were and how the fresh water system, it, it will blow your mind. They watched him build this thing to deal with something they had never experienced before. No wonder they thought he was crazy. But that's why he was chosen. See, I just believe God likes to choose crazy people, Breno. He was a righteous man of faith, according to the Bible, right? And he built a boat like nothing they had ever seen. And and to me, it's a wonder he believed God. Not that they didn't believe. I can understand why they didn't believe. But his witness was, his faith was the witness. And let me just share this with you. It couldn't have been easy. Come on. You ever had anybody make fun of you, ridicule you? Once, man, it bothers your spirit. It sets you out, man. You go weeks or months in depression because somebody picked on you. Every day people showed up and laughed. They have 120 years. Come on, church. And he stayed steady. It couldn't, have been, it couldn't have been easy. Listen, let me give this to you. It's never comfortable to step away from the crowd. Oh, I'm preaching this morning. Y'all don't even know it. That was a good one, right? See, comfort is a faith killer. Oh, y'all better say Amen. The biggest faith killer in our life is comfort. Yes, sir. The biggest faith killer in our life is comfort. It is never comfortable to step away from the crowd. See, he did something, church, that made everyone around him uncomfortable. It's like the Creation Museum in Kentucky. It wasn't even open yet. And scientists and secularists and moderate Christians were pledging to protest it. And if you don't think that that that's true, there were churches who were threatening to protest it. If you don't think that's true, Rod Detwiler can testify that him and I and Rob Wilson sat in a meeting with leaders from a certain particular domination who literally looked at, I about lost my mind. My wife was in the room and looked at us and said, as a denomination, we have decided to take the book of Genesis as a narrative instead of literal so we can embrace the scientific world. And I just said, That's a, that is a deal breaker for me, brother. Because if I can't believe the first page of the book, how am I supposed to believe the last page of the book or anything that's in between? I, I'm just lost in this. And so they're planning to protest the Creation Museum. Churches. And on the opening day, an airplane trailing a sign in the air said, Thou shalt not lie. 
people do this? Because this museum stood for God in a world that was rejecting God and his word. The problem was that the museum refused to conform to the thinking of the world. And that is exactly why Noah got all kinds of grief and gawkers who traveled from all over to see this strange man building this strange thing because God had spoken. See, that is exactly why you and I, when we take our faith seriously, we will encounter people who will mock us. We will see people who will avoid us. We will, they will give us a hard time in hopes of, of, of making you trip and fail in your faith. And Jesus even said, blessed, he said in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteous sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And John, Jesus told his followers, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, I've chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Let me tell you something, church. It's just part of the deal. But in spite of what he experienced, Noah still had to build the boat. And I, for one, feel like I can relate to him in the sense that sometimes that's a very lonely place. Mm. When you know God has spoken to you and given you a word, and you stand on that thing, it can be a lonely place. Noah built an ark and voyaged alone from a church. His neighbors laughed at him as some kind of strange person but let me tell you something he's not alone in that story and if you feel like that's who you are that sometimes God has spoken to you and given you a word and, and that people don't understand it and, and sometimes they get reject they reject you or they leave you by the wayside because they think that you you're just wasting your time or it's not real those type of things listen Abraham wandered and worshiped alone and the sodomites fed the flames Daniel dined and prayed alone. Elijah sacrificed and witnessed alone. Jeremiah prophesied and wept alone. Jesus, he loved and died alone. If your faith makes you feel alone sometimes, well, you're in good company. Oh, come on, somebody. Maybe you're the only person who loves Jesus at work. Maybe, maybe you're a young person in school that refuses to embrace anything of faith. Maybe you're the only one saved in your family. I remember getting saved and being mocked by my family. And I remember leaving that time and my wife's like, well, wh what are we going to do? I said, I'm going to pray for them all. From 1992 to this day, I'm still waiting on one of them, just one of them to come to the Lord. All the rest of them have come to Jesus. I'll never forget the day I got the call that my dad was being baptized. He might be watching. Hey, Pops, what's up? If you think I'm a storyteller, 
<laughs> Not like lies, but like. Yeah. Sometimes following God can be a lonesome experience. Somebody say amen. And that's why Jesus said we need to count the cost. We need to decide whether it's worth it to follow him. Why was Noah willing to pay the price? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7, in reverent fear, in reverent fear, he built a boat to save his family. Now this is where I want to get to. I want you to get past the children's story. And I want you to see where the rubber hits the road here. Because Noah, it's true, Noah preached to everyone and he tried to save everyone who was listening. As a matter of fact, in 2 Peter, Peter calls him a preacher of righteousness. But his major focus, his major life work was to save his loved ones. And the same should be true for every person in this room. Listen to me. If your faith has no impact at home, how will it have impact outside? We must build our faith in Jesus so strong that our lives influence our families so that they will love Jesus as much as we do. Because he wants to save them. He wants them to be with him in heaven forever. And let me just bless you with a couple of thoughts here this morning. And I ask you to give me uh, 30 minutes and I, I, I'm, I'm getting real close there. Did you realize there were some things left out of the plans of the ark? Come on. There were no lifeboats. There were no lifeboats. Not a single one. Listen, when the Titanic hit the iceberg, they said the greatest tragedy was that there wasn't enough lifeboats. But the ark had none. Zero. Now the Titanic, the builders of the Titanic didn't think they needed it because they said their boat was unsinkable. We don't need that many. The boat is unsinkable. That's what they said. Hello, somebody. Pride cometh before the fall. Trust me, I know. God didn't even offer that option to Noah when he gave him the plans. There was no plan B. Modern day Christianity, this is the problem. Modern day Western world Christianity always has a plan B. It always has a plan B. If the ark didn't float, it was all over and everything was going to be lost. Somebody say amen. There was no contingency plan if the ark didn't float. There was no way for Noah to test the ark to see if it was going to float. He acted on obedience and he trusted that if he did what God told him to do, what God said would happen would happen. I wish we just grabbed that revelation. Here we go, church people. Here we go, married folk. Here we go, parents. Here we go, children. If we just do what God tells us to do, everything might float. Your life might stop sinking. Noah's total faith and trust had to be that in God and in God were only one plan of salvation. That was it. There was only one plan. There was no plan B. And let me tell somebody in this building, let me tell somebody listening this morning, God don't have another plan B. Jesus is our only hope. There ain't another way. There ain't another way. 
Jesus is the only way this thing works. Jesus is the only way, uh, only work if we apply everything to it. I tried that Jesus thing. It didn't work. No. You... <laughs> That's why it doesn't work. You don't, you don't try Jesus. You surrender to Jesus. And second, second, here's, here's an observation. There, there was no rudder or wheel on the boat. There was, there was no way to steer the thing. Noah had no way to control which way the boat was going to go. He was totally at the mercy of God. Hello, somebody. Aren't we all? You woke up this morning. You were totally at the mercy of God. See, we can learn a lot from Noah because God had a direction he wanted Noah to go. And God had a direction that he wants us to go. And here we do. We say, Jesus, take the will. Listen, God didn't even give Noah a will. We feel spiritual. Here, Jesus, you drive. And Jesus is like, when did I even give you the will? God has a plan for your life. And the adventure is finding out what he plans to do. That's the adventure. That, that's the adventure. Where is Amy Carpenter? There, that's the adventure, Amy. He has a plan for your life. You thought it was Hawaii. It's not. You have to suffer with the rest of us. Every one of us would think it's Hawaii for me. God called me to Hawaii. No. It's not. But if Amy was steering, guess where she would go? As a matter of fact, when she heard that YWAM had changed, she even thought about a minute, well, maybe I don't go at all. But then she realized, oh, God is steering this thing. See, the adventure is in finding out what he has planned. One last thing. The story of Noah and the ark is the story of the gospel. Oh, so good. The first part is God's message is judgment. It's coming. Oh, don't be a downer. Come on, tell us, pastor, how good we are. Tell us, pastor, how much Jesus loves us. Yes, he does love us. That's why he warns us that judgment is coming. Let, let, me, let me just, let me just I'm going to keep saying it until you get it in your spirit. What did you think the end times are going to look like? And if you think it's bad now, if you think that people are stupid now, if you, hello somebody. I mean, the stuff that comes out of people's mouths. You just go, look, I, I'm not an educated person at all. But I can tell you right now, your, your elevator ain't going all the way up. That can't even be anywhere close to reality. Judgment is coming, church. And God loves us enough to warn us. 
Don't you understand that? Listen, when Jesus comes back, you better understand he's not coming back as, as some uh, wimpy little guy. Amen. Uh, you know what I'm saying? He's not coming back. Amen. As some fragile little savior. No, I, I see him coming back with a long, lean Galilean leg, stepping out on a cloud. Amen. Ready to do battle. The Bible says when he comes back, he's going to come with fire in his eyes and a sword in his mouth, riding on a white horse. Uh, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's going to mop the earth with unrighteous people. And I'm going to say to you right now, with every bit of the pastoral love that's in my heart, you better get right or you're going to get left. And I'm not talking about politics. If you don't get on board, you're going to drown in sin. Everybody who didn't get on board. Come on, church. You ever wonder why God moved Noah and his family into the ark and waited seven days for it to start raining? Faith. If you've been hearing for 120 years that it's going to rain and you've never seen rain before and the ark is open and it's raining... You might move into the ark because of your circumstance, not because you believe God. God moved Noah and his family in the ark and waited seven days. I can't, um, and the door, the Bible says God shut the door. It, no man could open that door. I can't imagine the sound of people beating on the side of that boat as the water level started to rise. Judgment is a part of the gospel message. I would say this to you, and you might challenge me. It's my commentary. It's okay. I, I just don't believe a man can go to heaven until he first realizes he's on his way to hell. Those who lived in Noah's day, they had a choice. Peter writes, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. And the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. The second part of the gospel message in the story of Noah is this. God is patient. He gave those people over a hundred years to believe. God is patient. And if you ever wonder why God is taking his sweet little time to save that family member you've been praying for, if you ever wonder why God is taking his sweet little time to save that co-worker that's been your test, if you've ever been wondering why God just not setting people free, saving them and getting them in the right mind, just remember how long it took God to be patient with you. God wants us to realize you can't make it on your own or you'll drown in your own sin. You'll perish in your own despair and misery. There's only one way, only one way to avoid devastation. And his name is Jesus. And he is the door. Check out this graphic. I want, you to, I want you to hold on to this. There is Jesus standing at the door of Noah's ark. 
And there are two familiar scriptures. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I am the door, and if anyone enters through me, he will be saved. If you ever go to the ark, you'll go to the door on the boat, and faintly on the door, there is a light shining of the cross. I mean, it's ever so faint, but it's ever so beautiful. Jesus is the door. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the door. You see, the only thing you need to decide this day is are you willing to accept Jesus on his terms? You got to get in the boat and you don't get to steer. Oh. 1 Peter 3.20 And God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Your faith has to be dependent on God. He knows where he's going. My church, the voyage of your faith is your witness to the world. Mm. When we appeal to God through baptism, listen, we do that through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but this is a limited time offer. There will come a time when the door will be shut and no man can open it. There will come a time when the door will be shut and no man can open it. You see, the story of Noah is not just a children's story. It is a warning. And Jesus himself said, just like the days of Noah. What did you think it was going to look like? Why do you think you are still here? Because Jesus needs your witness to a lost and dying world. But not only is his judgment coming, but there's mercy. And he's prepared a place. Today is a day that I think we should act. Noah believed God and acted. Today is also Amy Carpenter's last day with us. And so I'm going to invite her to the stage. Her parents... Maybe, I mean, a family, if, if those guys want to come, if you, you're all right with that. Now, let me say this to us again, church. Come on. Over and over and over in this church, I am amazed that our young people are looking at us and saying, we ain't waiting on y'all. God, you've been preaching to us since we were... I mean, how, I mean, you were three years old. Hello, somebody. I am three years old. And she has heard the message. Go, oh, God is sending. Who will go for me? 
And since she's three years old, she's surrendered her life to her parents who have taught her to follow God radically. And um, that's been a little controversial in some areas. But what I love about this young woman of God is that she has surrendered her life, everything, physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally, in every way, for what God would have for her. And today is her last day, at least for six months. Do you get to come back? At Christmas. Okay, so you'll be back at Christmas. But then you'll know where they're sending you after. Right? Okay, all right. So we didn't get to go to Hawaii. But you still get to go to Florida. During, during November, December, and January in Michigan. Yeah, we still hate you. Yeah. That's God's reward. But sometimes, what God has planned isn't what we initially thought. And you just have to roll with that. Because he didn't give you the wheel to start with. Can't steer it. So Amy's going to YWAN. And she's going to be trained for a few months in Florida. And then sent out. And so this morning, I thought, we were going to pray for her. And I said, at the end of the sermon, wouldn't it be powerful if as a church... We also combine our faith with hers. Will you stand with me in this place? Now let me tell you something about the life of a church. We thank God for good leaders. But good leaders never build that church on who they are. They build it on who Jesus is. With the intent of passing on that vision to that younger group. And I think... At least in the attitude of our eldership team, the greatest thing we could do is to fade as young people begin to step into what God's glory is. And they continue to amaze me over and over. Amy, God has given you faith. And with that faith, I believe that signs and wonders are going to follow. I do. I believe you're going to see salvation. Maybe you don't know Amy that well. I've got to know her a lot more during the internship this year. Uh, and she, she does talk a lot more than I thought she did. <laughs> but what I enjoyed, not, as, not just the talk, but the depth of the Spirit of God and the wisdom in your heart. And this morning, we want to release you into what God is doing as an act of faith. Amen. Can we pray for you? Stretch your hands toward this young woman. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we have just heard an amazing story. It's been written since the beginning of time, Lord. It's a part of us. We are connected to it. God, we want to be like Noah. We want to believe and then act. We want to believe and then act. And we want our faith to be our witness. And so we lay our hands on Amy right now. That this is her last Sunday. And God, we say, raise up a hedge of angels around her to protect her. To do battle for her as she goes. God, keep the hand of the enemy far away from her in the name of Jesus. God, the plans and the scheme of the pits of hell to hinder what you are sending her to do right now in the name of Jesus. We take the word of God and we loose every assignment from the pits of hell. The sword of the Spirit, we cut every assignment. 
and we say in the name of Jesus, it would come to naught. We also say, God, we know that you have something waiting. You have a door that you've prepared. You have lives that you have been uh, plowing in by the Holy Spirit that Amy is now going to come and reap that harvest, God. She's also going to sow more seed, God. And so anoint her. Give her boldness, Lord. Give her liberty, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Allow her worship, God, to set a place on fire, God. Lord, allow her ministry to, to set a place on fire, God. We long to wait and hear and see the fruit of this thing in Jesus' name. So, God, thank you that she'll come back to us safe. Thank you, God, that she'll come back to us with the stories of the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm reminded at this moment of when the disciples came to Jesus and said, You should have been there, Lord. Send her back like that, Lord. You should have been there. You should have been there. Let us see a tangible move of your spirit in Jesus' name. Provide for her resources. God, provide for her comfort in your spirit, Lord. Allow her to know you are with her. God, when she is struggling, when, when, oh Lord, when, when doubts come, God, just supernaturally come and meet her in the name of Jesus. Let your spirit come to her and speak to her words of heaven. God, we pray and release her into this thing until you bring her back to us. From then till now, we expect to hear, feel, and see results from our prayers because you are a good God. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. I love you. I would like to say to Amy very publicly, thank you for demonstrating to us what the handmaiden of the Lord looks like. Thank you for keeping your life pure and dedicated to the Lord. And I declare to you, that because you have done that, God is going to reward you on this earth with dreams and things that are greater than you have ever imagined. Amen? Come on, one more time. Give God a hand. I love you. Amen. Calm down. It's just a children's story. It's great to be in a house where faith can be released. And I want to challenge you in this place this day. The story of Noah is a story of you. We are all on a voyage of faith. And in this church, and the people who call themselves a part of what God is doing here must be committed to building, hello church, an ark. If you know anything about the scripture, the ark is a symbol of Jesus. Come on, somebody. We must be committing to building that place where people can come and be saved. And so, Father, in this place, this house belongs to you. We say, God, we will build for your glory and for your honor. And so we ask, bring those from the north, the south, the east, and the west of this place so that they can experience your saving grace. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, come on, give the Lord a great hand of praise. Turn around and ask someone, what's your faith dependent on? I'm down at your feet Every moment of my wandering Never changed